What's up, junkies? Welcome back in for another edition of Pigskin Junkies with myself, Michael Larson, and my big brother, Jared Larson. Um, we apologize for the hiatus uh, that we took this past week. Uh, meant to, we we're going to try to get something together uh, me. this weekend up in Auburn, but uh, due to my Mike work circumstances, I could not go uh, up to the game this weekend. And was going to call Jared on Saturday, but he was obviously incapable of answering his phone. <laughs> um, uh, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Um, so we high life. We we didn't get you any picks last week. I don't know, Jared, if you kept track of what you went. I think I went five and two over the weekend. But hey, you know, horseshoes uh, and hand grenades. Yeah, I did not bet a whole lot this past weekend. I had probably five, four and three, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but. More on that later, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, overall, good weekend for Jared and myself as Auburn fans. Uh, but Duh. Uh, are all, everyone's calling us homers. Uh, <laughs> I pegged most of the games that we played. I would say they played 12 games. I was correct on 10 of them, and it should have been 11 because we should have beat the brakes off LSU, but mm-hmm. we called the dogs off in second and a half. Yeah, but I mean, I did. We just the scoreboard does not even close to indicating how badly we beat Alabama. Yeah, like this whole talk about how we're the only team that they've played all year. This is in the top ten, and we dismantled them. So this talk of them getting in the playoff pisses me off, predominantly because they're our rival, and I don't want to see them again. But. Um, I just I look at that team and I say where who have they beaten how have they beaten them? Well, I mean, uh, it, it, what sucks for Bama is the downfall of Florida State. Now that was a totally different football yeah, team that you see now on Saturdays than you did that opening weekend. I remember that was a a close football game until I think there was like a blocked punt or something like that, and then a turnover, and then just like that, Bama took a two touchdown lead. So that was <coughs> late into the football game. Um, here's a scenario, too, talking about rematches, and uh, I, I said this to a friend on the phone, which would be a unbelievable scenario. Um, but either way, the, Auburn's going to end up with rematches across the table. So you have a chance of a rematch versus Oklahoma from last season in the bowl, the Sugar Bowl against, obviously, the Sooners, where Auburn was pretty much embarrassed um, yeah. and run off the field. Uh, that would be a... a a lot of guys on Auburn remember that game. And then, two, uh, it, say the scenario is so Clemson wins this weekend against Miami. Let's say that scenario. And somehow Alabama squeaks in. Now, wherever that numbering is, that numbering falls, Auburn is going to have a rematch against a team that they either played week two of the season or that they played once again a month earlier. Pretty much the yep. exact same scenario as Georgia. So – Auburn's last three games in that scenario would go, let's say, um, let's say Bama comes in at four. Uh, they end up going, oh, gee, I don't know. Um, they go, let's say Clemson one, Oklahoma two. Us three, Bama four. Us three, Assuming Bama four. So, right. so you're going to have Whoever, a The winner between us and Georgia will be three. Right. And then, so, so well, that's a scenario where you have to rematch against. Well, and if, if we beat Georgia again, who's the number six team in the country or whatever they're going to be, um, who knows? Maybe that does propel us to number two. 
uh, over Oklahoma. Who knows? Uh, I doubt it. I do too. But it's, I, I think three is our ceiling. Well, and who who cares between two and three? Well, yeah, it doesn't it, exactly. It doesn't matter. Different color jersey. Yeah, get to get stormtroopers out. Uh-huh. That means we should wear stormtroopers anyway. <coughs> but so then, think about that. You could have you're rematching a Clemson or an Alabama team that you've already played this season. Personally, I want Clemson again. Um, I think that would be an unbelievable. I think we'd beat Clemson like we beat Alabama. Yeah. It's like a totally different football does team. not scare me. No. And our defense has got some swag. Mm-hmm. I, and I will say this, and I'll kind of we'll wrap up on the Auburn talk here. Um, nope. There is, there is a very different attitude coming out of Gus Malzahn now. It's like he has that chip on his shoulder that he had when he first came to Auburn where – it was this guy from, you know, middle of nowhere, Shiloh Christian, Arkansas, uh, high school football. He drew up this offense and wrote it like on a piece of tissue paper. And he's taken it all the way and he's successful at Arkansas State. And everyone was like, okay, well, you can be successful as a head coach at Arkansas State, but can you do it as a big boy in the SEC? And he goes to the national championship his first year. And I think ever since then, it's kind of been that chip is gone and i he think needs a quarterback well yeah every that's like saying i mean I, you know we need I water to a storyline but human being. yeah well i just yeah i mean and and i think the system and i think that's a nice storyline but i just i look at it and i say the system needs a quarterback and without it it's not going to be able to function the defense is at a really nice spot program wise i think he said that in his presser after the game like they're loaded on defense right now. That front mm-hmm. seven is, I mean, stacked. So it presents it, – it's a little chicken and the egg talk because that defense allows him to open it up a little bit more. Yeah, because um, they can bail him out. You hit, correct. And I think you hit bigger plays where uh, that middle of his tenure years, let's call it three and four, the defense was, I mean, not just suspect. They were bad. Um, and I think that inhibited his play calling a little bit, uh, didn't necessarily get the full entourage. I, mean, I can see that, but I just feel like, you know, you listen to not only, I mean, his interviews, even his freshman year were horrible or his, you know, first season at Auburn were terrible. Yeah. And you listen to him talk on a microphone now and it's like somebody insulted his wife back in the, in the tunnel before he walked in there. This one that we're trying to win the Durham NCC West. Yeah. I mean, I love it personally because kids see fire out of a man. Like normally, like when you see these press conferences from Gus, yeah, we're banged up, we're real banged up, most banged up team in the country. Yeah, you know, I I don't really think that. I think that you know we're going to come out here, we're going to try and run the football, and you know, and and this is a very good football team that we're playing this week. It's like okay, I get that, but how about we just maybe fluctuate a little bit in the in the tone and act excited, maybe look up at people. I don't know. Like, just he's starting to interact with the fans again, and I like that. Um, And I think it's translating not only to uh, the the players, but you look around that stadium now, and Auburn has a certain swag about it that I don't think they've had in, I mean, at least seven years, and then maybe even more. Not since I was a student. The defense has not been this swaggy in – well, I'm saying like years, overall team, like Auburn, like fan base, confidence and swag. Obviously, defense, you got to go back to like 
two or three years before you were there, like those early 2000s. Uh, they were good, like Carlos seven, Gansby. eight. It's been 10 years since we've had a defense like this. Yeah. I guess, yeah, you throw in your Sandic, Sanderic Marks, Quinn Groves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Troy Blackman. They used to be. The goat. Yeah. My <laughs> boy. Yeah, exactly. The greatest uh, yeah, it ever I mean, was. Resounding, resounding win. Yeah. Um, so it should be a good one this weekend. We'll see. It's, I hate the rematch, but uh, I, X's and O's on the field stuff with them. I love the way that we match up against Georgia. Yeah, and <coughs> I guess so. We'll we'll dive in. We'll do a little SEC preview, I guess, if you want, and then we'll we'll talk about other things because we'll we'll obviously talk about it later in the week as well. Uh, we got to talk about my boy be, getting canned. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the coaching carousel that's already starting to uh, begin here in the SEC and. Um, Maybe a power shift, question mark? We'll return to that later. Um, SEC Championship, I will say this. Talk to a friend today. What I think is why it was closer against Bama is Hertz can beat you with his feet. So we had to be a little bit different. Fromm does not have that ability. So he has to sit in there. And Jeff, we go up one score or two scores, and you got the best edge rusher in all of college football pinning his ears back. And you got probably some of the two best interior tackles pushing up the center to where you can't climb the pocket. Good luck. We're getting pressure on Jalen Hurts with four. If you aren't mobile. Yeah, Fromm's dead. Yeah. Um, Dead man walking. I mean, Hurts scrambled out of. A lot. I'm trying to count them off the top of my head. Five or six. One that turned into that touchdown where yeah. uh, Denson blew the coverage. But, I mean, he was running for his life. And like you said, Fromm's just not that agile. Um, and thankfully, Hertz didn't really make any plays running and then throwing. It was kind of run to get away from the sack. And then, you know, a, a short dump off, a throw away, net, you know, a little couple-yard run by him. So, yeah, he didn't really hurt us. Um, which I, as I said before, I thought that would be how we would lose. If we did, he gets out, out of the pocket and makes, he played on the field either with his feet or with his, uh, with his arm, um, didn't wind up happening to your point. Jake Fromm's not even going to get to that point. Um, it's going to come down to whether or not he's throwing dimes. So if he is, as I said, when we played him in Jordan air, if he's on the money, we're probably going to get beat. Uh, if he's not, I think it'll be a long day for them. Yeah. Um, uh, secondly, this was a, a note from John Grayson, one who was the friend that I've been talking about this whole time. So I'll yeah, ask John where DeAndre Francois is today. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he he brought up a good comparison because I was trying to think really when this has happened recently in the SEC, where you have a team from the West and a team from the East that have played each other and then we'll go on to the SEC championship to play each other again. And if we're being honest, as Auburn fans, uh, for at least another year or two until, once again, we'll get into the coaching carousel later, the Florida Gators start coming around, which I think you and I both think they will, um, that Auburn needs to get used to the idea of if we go to the SEC championship, we're going to be playing Georgia again. Uh, at least for yeah, the next year or so, year or two. 
Um, the foreseeable future. Right. So going back to 04 was really the only one I could think of. Um, Auburn, obviously, is the team, so that's why they popped in my brain first. There might be a case in here somewhere. I think there was some Florida Alabamas in there. Okay, that would make sense. In like the, like the late single-digit 2000s. Okay. Like 8, 9, 10. So somewhere in there. Um, yeah. So Auburn going to – Knoxville and beating the snot out of them. We won't even. I don't even want to talk about that, by the way. Um, but I know we have to. Um, Tennessee and thirty-four to ten Tigers win, and then they end up playing Tennessee again in the SEC championship, and it's a it's a thirty-eight twenty-eight victory. And well, and we we did it in fourteen. We did it in fourteen against South Carolina. Oh, that's right. And that was a close game against Carolina. The thirteen first time or whatever. Beat the crap I, I always get the years. So that was I always get the years mixed up with the. With the title, yeah, 10. 2010, yeah. The titles in the, like, December and January. Uh, yeah, yeah. So for whatever reason, not, I can never get that. Yeah, see, that was, that was the opposite, though, because we squeaked out a win against South Carolina. And then just and then blew the doors off. And them. That was – Yeah, and, that one was over at halftime. Right. And, that, that and that's one of those games that we've grown as a team kind of throughout the season type deal, uh, figuring out our identity – kind of an eerily similar feel to this year where it's kind of ugly at the start of the year and then everyone figures out what we got to do to be successful and they get the job done. But I think I think that's more what we're looking at as Auburn fans is we had a couple balls go our way in the Georgia game. Um, that's not Georgia's not going to make those all those mistakes again. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's what's going to narrow the gap. But still, when you beat the crap out of a team like that, they narrow the gap a little bit. You still win by at least, I think, 10 points. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I don't think it had to do as much with our home field as it did X's and O's. Yeah. Just how we match up with them, our team versus theirs. It's not it's not a dig against them. It's just the strength of our team is going to – and look, it's football. Did you guys score more points than the other team? I know that <laughs> sounds obvious, but the way our defense plays – and the strength of their offense, I just I think they're going to have a tough time scoring points. You play to win the game. Yeah, you play to win the games. Um, play on the field. So I guess the question for me, Jared, to you is actually let me see if I can even find this one right here. Let's where all the yeah. So here's here's where the coaching buyout counter is right now. So you got Todd Graham bought out at Arizona State for twelve point three million. Who the hell writes these contracts? <laughs> I don't know. Like but I want all of these ads, all these ads should be immediately fired. Yeah. Uh, Strickland is no different. They got they signed um, Mullen. They got to pay him. They have to. Pay, University of Florida is owed two million dollars if he leaves. If they fire him, they'll twelve million dollars. Like what is going? You're gonna give this guy six million a year over six years? And then a $12 million buyout, like you are hamstringing your program. <laughs> I just, it's so bad. It's so bad what these teams do. And so you wind up with Kevin Sumlin, who's owed $10 million by Texas A&M in the next 60 days. And, oh, by the way, he's probably going to go coach at Arizona State and make another five and a half a year. Like who's writing these contracts? <laughs> because uh, – it's it's because Charlie like, Weiss hasn't these... had to work for five years. Paid <coughs> yeah, money. and I mean, look, I'm it's, the job is not easy, so I'm I'm cool with these guys making the money, but these buyouts are absurd. Like Brett Bielema would have been fired two years ago. 
but they have to keep them. It's just these decisions that are being made by athletic directors are literally setting their programs back a decade because by the time you make a shit hire, then he's around for three or four years mm-hmm. and then you got to fire him and then you got to start the wheel all over again. And it's four or five years before you get it wrong. It's just, it's never, never a good decision. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, these, we'll round out the, the list here. Fast, so Jim Moore at 12 million plus Kevin Sumlin, 10.4, no reduction. Uh, Butch Jones, Tennessee, 8.2, reduced based on new job. And Brett Bielema, 5.9, reduced based on new job. Um, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, which it, it's, our buddy the Cheezer has set that precedent. Like, there is a 0% chance that Brett Bielema works next year. Zero. Yeah. Like, oh, I can get paid $6 bucks to do nothing? Work some cush TV job uh-huh. and then keep you know keep my name out there and then oh I'm I'm the head coach at some mid level program next year making four million a year oh plot twist oh, Brett Bielema goes to Iowa State after uh, what's his face no leaves. <laughs> they just locked him up they just locked him up really they gave him a huge deal oh yeah I was I was reading it actually just before we got on I think they gave him uh, three and a half million a year over like six years. A lot of these mid-major like schools 20, locking 22, it up. Twenty-two, twenty-three million dollar deal. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he's in a little bit different of a situation than Scott Frost because he's in a Power Five conference. So if he wins his conference, yeah. they got a chance exactly. at going You're to fine. the playoffs. Scott Frost doesn't. Yeah, agreed. Well, and I mean, and this is kind of where someone a little more seasoned in life, like you get to the point. Okay, I can make call it four million bucks a year live in Ames, Iowa, and if I win nine games a year, I'm a hero. Or I go to Tennessee, yes, I'm going to make five million bucks a year, but I'm probably going to get fired after three or four years because I can't turn it around because I can win ten games a year. Well, in Tennessee, Knoxville is just a dumpster fire of a place right now. Yeah, so, I mean, fine, Knoxville, Starkville, Fayetteville. Yeah, fill in the blank. Like, it's not – Ville, any (laughs) Ville. Yeah, I mean, it's just – so, to me – that's and obviously it worked on the guy. I mean, that's that's the case that I make if I'm the Iowa State AD to say, look, your quality of life is going to be way better here than than anywhere else. Right. So Bela McCann, I, I will say I, I was going to tweet something out. And I was like, I don't know what to do with all of this hate that's stored up in my body now that he's gone. <laughs> yeah, but, I, mean, you know, I can't I, yell at him anymore. Right. But at the same time, the way that he was let go was. I mean, whether I like the guy or not, I don't know him personally. We just, you know, as I, we see him on the football field, he said some things towards our alma mater, and he's a little bit of a hefty guy. And he was a Wisconsin head coach. You know, so it's like all those little things. It's like I don't like you more as a football person. I don't know what he's like in a room. but Yeah, that's been going around. I don't care. Like <laughs> you're getting paid $8 million a year. <laughs> I don't care how you can fire him out of the hell you want. That's that everyone's a big boy here. Like I don't understand the, I, I'm why okay. this is. A, a I, I know everyone's a big boy, but the fact that they had a press release pre-written, ready to rock and roll, and they let that sucker fly the second the game was over was stunning to me because those press releases are read over by at least twenty different eyeballs. Everybody. Everyone yeah, re- the entire compliance just, department. Exactly. To make sure it, eh, there's no wrong words and eh, everything is just saying so much with saying nothing. 
and basically just he's fired. Um, yeah, that doesn't bother me. I, I, I tried to find, and I maybe I'll go back tonight and look for it, but I would love to see the presser with him when some writer asks him, like, do you know you got fired? I just saw this press release. I would like to see that. that well, he got fired before he even got off the field. Right, but that's what I'm saying. So he's got he's got to do the presser afterwards. Yeah, that's true. So what is he like? What are your opening remarks? Eat shit! I just got fired. <laughs> that's what I would say. I, right. That's what I, I think that would be entertaining to watch. I would have to look it up. Well, that's like I mean that's the equivalent of me. Like I always joke that the saying in the OR is "Don't touch the blue." That's the sterile field. And I always say if they, I ever just get to the point where I don't want to do this job anymore, or like I just go clinically insane and I think I've come to the end of my line. I'm just going to jump and just all over the sterile field, just swan dive. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what I would do if I was a coach. I would just be like, no, I'm done. Like, no more. I'm just going to let these done. reporters have it, and over. I don't care. Um, so before we go into some, some super negative stuff, uh, what do you think about Dan Mullen to Florida? Eh, I think he's going to be able to get better players Uh t- Gainesville than he did to Starkville. That's probably not earth shattering news to anybody, but yeah. um, he's a good coach. I, you know, people, all these Gators are are thinking it's going to be Timmy Tebow years all over again, and that's just not true. There's this offense needs quite a bit of work. Um, Dan Mullen's not going to recruit anybody today, so what that means is, and I believe they have a kid who's Kimball. pretty hard towards Florida that that's coming in, which is. Yeah, that's an advantage, but um, the reality is Dan Mullen's players are not going to be in until at least 2019, and at that point, they're freshmen. So um, I've been saying this a lot, like you got to give these guys some time to turn it over, and unfortunately in the SEC, patience is not something that uh, the fans have too often. No. And it's like uh, when it comes to that, one, people saw recently, I mean, you think about the two biggest hires in the past few years in the SEC, it's Gus Malzahn to Auburn, and he goes to the national championship his first year. But what people always forget is he was the offensive coordinator there. Like every yeah, offensive two years ago. player that was there was well, his, his players. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's his recruiting. <coughs> uh, Kirby Smart, he goes to Georgia. Now they're playing the SEC championship game two years after he's hired. It's not like he inherited – a horrible, like, no offense to Florida, but that situation is a totally different situation than what he had going to Georgia. It's not like Georgia was a great yeah. team that just couldn't win the big one, and now Kirby Smart's and there. And that's their head coach. Right, exactly. Very where, different situation mm-hmm. than where Florida is. Exactly. Program-wise. Exactly. Yeah, I think Mississippi State's a good job. Currently. It's, like, exactly, I think someone yeah, can walk great, in there and win uh-huh. next year for, for all those reasons. A lot of people now, are who they get, who it. knows, but yeah, that could be. That's what I'm hearing. I could, I could see something like that. Uh, it would surprise of... me. I mean, I I don't know who Arkansas is going to get if they don't get Gus, though. I really don't. No, I... they're going to wind up. I bet you they'll get um, who's the guy in Memphis? Um, Whatever the Memphis guy is. Yeah. <laughs> He's good. Good, good radio. Yeah, Matt, good radio. <laughs> great radio. Yeah, Matt Campbell. Uh, three point five mil a year. Six year deal. Three and a half mil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. And we've said this hundreds of times. It's it's 
there are so many open positions and there are only so many mm-hmm. coaches. Only so many coaches to go around. Yep. Um, That's why you get this every year. Yeah, and then somebody gets stuck. And speaking of – well, first of all, circle on your calendars. Saturday, September 29th, Florida Gators travel to Mississippi State next season. Yeah, they're not – I mean – I'm just saying it's it's one of those games. It's going to be hyped up. So I'm saying get ready. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, bring your cowbells. Uh, the Bruce Dickinson. I hate those damn things. The Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> stupid, stupid cowbells. Now let's talk about well, you, speaking. You gotta have cowbells when you only have like twenty six thousand exactly. seats in your stadium. So. Exactly. Um, let Let's talk about this for a second. Speaking of carousels and and somebody gonna get stuck with a bad head coach, I think it's pretty much been narrowed down to the team that's gonna get stuck with just an absolute stretch for head coach is gonna be Tennessee. Uh, all this Greg Schiano stuff that's happened. Basically, Schiano signed on the dotted line. About to be announced. Yeah, it was done deal. Coach. Yeah, um, about to be announced head coach of Tennessee Volunteers, which to me I think is a good hire. If I'm being honest, um, but because well, of what's happened in the past, and he's not one of the people that was ever testified, ever had charges pressed against civil or you know anything. Um, is now chastised, and I think Tennessee just ruined their chances of even getting a mediocre head coach because who wants to go there? Who wants to go to Knoxville now after they just saw that? Nobody. That's what we – well, I'm, I've said it. I said it in the podcast at the beginning of the year. These fan bases are delusional. Like, I get it. You had to fire Butch Jones. That guy, <laughs> dumpster fire. But you can't – one, the way I see it is one, what's the rush? So if you miss, say, say your guy was Gruden, right? And then Gruden does his thing and all right, we miss on Gruden. So now we're going to target Dan Mullen. So then they miss on Dan Mullen. Like what's the rush to go and pull the trigger on Greg Schiano? Like as far from what, from everything that I'm hearing, the only time that Greg Schiano's name came up in any head coaching circle conversation was at Tennessee. So I look at that and I say, I think they got a little trigger happy. Um, and again, that's why I always ask myself or anyone who's telling me that they should fire a coach, who are you going to get? Now, Greg Schiano, regardless of everything that's out there, would have been an improvement, in my opinion, over Butch Jones. Um, that is a very low bar to set for yourself. <laughs> um, but I think, <clears throat> and like you said, it comes down to it. Like who's going to go to Tennessee where the expectations are sky high. The cupboard is as bare as a bone and you got to turn it around immediately. Yeah. Yesterday. Their recruiting class, their recruiting class is shit. Meaning they're not going to be any better next year. Maybe you can get some kids in, in, in 18 class or excuse me, the 19 class. And then your guys are true freshmen in the fall of 19, which is two years from now. And as far as the University of Tennessee fan base is concerned, two years might as well be two decades. Mm-hmm. Like they want to win yesterday. Yep. So it's it's, it's been a very 20 years for any coach. Yeah, been 20 yeah. years since the Vols have won a SEC championship, and I think they won the national championship in that year as well. Um, yeah. So you need to hire a builder, which I you look at Shiano's track record at Rutgers, mm-hmm. and they were a 
turd bucket when he they got there. They are a turd bucket still. And have and have recessed into turd bucketness after he left. So it's like, you know, that, that's the kind of guy you need. Um, are Tennessee fans willing to accept that? Probably not. Well, and it's like <laughs> the one thing I did find funny out of the whole thing. I'm like, if you guys really want to call out something that maybe he had an impact on was that he coached Ray Rice. <laughs> like if, if that's what you yeah. want to really, really dive into. Um, I feel like that has more credibility than he did something at Penn state, you know, that he, uh, yeah, 25 years it, ago know. as a grad assistant. Yeah, exactly. Um, no substantiated evidence. Yeah. I'm sure he was, you know, hanging out, taking showers. I'm pretty sure the guy was slammed yeah. in a box watching film. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, just ridiculous. But um, so that'll be a very interesting scenario to watch going forward. Um, any any winners or losers, big winners or losers for you after uh, this past weekend? Uh, yeah, I had Auburn Moneyline. That was a nice one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Badgers of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It was also a nice one. Uh, I had Washington. That was a nice winner. I did have Texas A&M. I thought they would. I tell you what, man, I thought they'd come play one more time for someone, and that was not the case at all. Just flat on their face. Mm-hmm. Um, really surprised by that effort or lack, lack thereof. Um, <clears throat> I had Virginia on Friday night. I mean, had that one to a T. I'm like, this is such a Virginia Tech season is so done. <laughs> they only scored 10 points, and Virginia just goose egg. Um, that was not a loser. I had one more loser, I think. I think it was an early game. Oh, yeah, Ohio State. I laid the lumber with Ohio State, and they obviously did not get it done. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying. Let me see if I can. But that was it. If I can pull up my my picks here. Um, I was I was shocked. Uh, although, did you see the video of Mike Leach trying shocked, to Shocked. Did you see the video of Mike Leach trying to eat a banana pregame? No. Oh, it's gold. Internet you gold. To, you had to send it to me. Um, the man, the, all I ever want in my life is just Mike Leach. I, I would, I will pay for a, a year. I will, I will be a booster at the school in the SEC that hires Mike Leach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that man so much. And I just want to see him. I just want to see him in the SEC because Oh, can you just imagine you have Mike Leach up there one minute and then the next minute is Nick Saban. I mean, just, just think those are, I can't think of two polar opposites bigger than that. I can't. No, neither can I. Um, that'd be fun to watch. Um, I, I, Florida State, Florida State playing Monroe this week to try and get to bowl eligibility. Over under. 24,500 people in Doak. Under. Noon game. Under. Under? thing holds like 90. Yeah, under. (laughs) Did you see the video? I am not kidding. They are walking off the bus going into Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. And literally there, I think I hear two people go, they're like, all right, go Knowles. The players look Mm -hmm. like they just came from a funeral. And, like, the fans don't care. And the guy quoted, on, you know, he posted the video, and he said up top, he was like, you know, you guys don't have to do this. 
Like, he can just get on the bus <laughs> and he can go back to Tallahassee. I mean, they offensively, they struggled in that game, too. I mean, they just, Florida just gave them 24 points on, yeah, on offense. So, gifted them. Yeah. Um, I had, so I actually, I took Ole Miss uh, for, uh, thir- Thursday night. Yeah. 13 and a half. I, I saw them jawing pregame and I was like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna hop on this yeah, one, one real quick. The, the bulldog piss on the on the grass. Oh my gosh, that was great. Um, which they named him head coach. So Ed Orgeron 2.0 now happening in the SEC West. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, which kind of brings me back to the question I'll end it with here. Uh, I took Auburn. Uh, I thought South Carolina was gonna at least play defense, but I was nope. solely mistaken. So, yeah. Well, it's hard when your offense. <laughs> was just an absolute freaking idiot and I think he gave up most of those points I had Utah at Colorado minus 10 and a half or excuse me at home against Colorado minus 10 and a half that's a winner Hawkeyes against Nebraska I was sweating bullets because that was close and then the second half the Hawkeyes said Nebraska come here little boy um yeah geez they're so bad (laughs) they are so so bad uh, Stanford plus two and a half against Notre Dame winner. Winner, yeah, it's cash. Uh, and then I had UCF. I had UCF minus ten against USF. Yeah, nope. Um, and then that I also that was fun to watch. I did. Was, I watched that whole game. That was good. That was a very fun game. I also then I took uh, I took Texas minus ten and they lost outright. I had so. Texas too. Those assholes. Yeah, that was. Don't even get me started on that game. They, <laughs> I mean. I watched most of it. Turnovers were just pathetic. So, like, dudes coughing up. Oh, gross. So I ended up going five yeah. and three. But yeah. Um, and so this will hit be- us. To hit us now. Hit Auburn now. Minus two and a half. Yeah, that's what I was gonna and say. Gonna get higher than three. Yeah. Um, <coughs> the question I'm gonna end this on is: Do you see a potential power shift to the SEC East here? in the near future from what's been a dominant SEC West. Remember, no SEC East team has won since Tim Tebow was playing college football. Remember, he had an NFL career and is now playing baseball. So 2008, the last time the SEC East has won an SEC title. No, I don't see a power shift. What, because one guy went from West to East? Well, I'm just saying with the – you know, Dan Mullen, yeah, going west to east. You got the emergence of Kirby Smart, Kentucky starting to play better football. Um, Kentucky is a is a non-factor. I'm just saying, Until, they, I think Kentucky can become a team that isn't – they're not a bottom feeder anymore. That was just like that's a guaranteed win. Like they were – No, know, but the Mississippi schools used to be that way too, and they're not that way. But they I mean, even heading Mizzou that way finished, potentially. I mean, Texas – Texas A&M, I think Texas A&M is heading further south than where they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think so. I still think you have two teams in the state of Alabama and, and one team in the state of Louisiana and no, another one in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, and usually another one in the state of Mississippi that's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia and Florida, in my opinion, will continue to compete for East titles. Um, but as long as little Nikki's just up the road, I don't, I don't see that shift happening. Right. Which pains me to say that. Well, there you go. 
There's the answer to those questions. So that was our, our recap slash a little bit of foreshadowing. Jared and I are going to do a better job this week, Thursday night, getting the podcast out to you. We hope you guys had a great Monday, 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 and Tuesday, and Wednesday, Monday. and Thursday, Darn. and Friday, and Saturday, and Cindy. Um, that was weird. Uh, had a okay Monday. My Monday was long and full of this. And in the words of my favorite television character, Dwight K. Schrute, this earth is way too populated. We need another plague. Um, <laughs> so follow us at pigskin underscore junkies on the Twitter sphere. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Please engage us on Twitter. We'd love to engage with you guys. I know you guys listen to the show. Uh, we're just asking you to take that next step. Um, I'm going to get the Twitter fingers going this weekend. Yeah, Jared needs to start getting those going again. He's our he's our social social justice warrior on the Twitter sphere. I'm surprised right. he wasn't tweeting anything about Shiano the, uh, these past few days. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be out there fighting. <laughs> so for myself, Michael Larson, my big brother, Jared Larson, we're out of here. Have a great week, and we will talk to you later. See ya. Suck the taint. <laughs>